0: Part 2, Chapter 12 of A Popular History of Astronomy During the Nineteenth Century. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. Interfaceaudio.com. A Popular History of Astronomy During the Nineteenth Century by agnes mary clark chapter twelve stars and Nebulae. that a science of stellar chemistry should not only have become possible but should already have made material advances is assuredly one of the most amazing features in the swift progress of knowledge our age has witnessed Custom can never blunt the wonder with which we must regard the achievement of compelling rays emanating from a source devoid of sensible magnitude through immeasurable distance to reveal by its distinctive qualities the composition of that source. The discovery of revolving double stars assured us that the great governing force of the planetary movements and of our own material existence sways equally the courses of the farthest suns in space the application of prismatic analysis certified to the presence in the stars of the familiar materials no less of the earth we tread than of the human bodies built up out of its dust and circumambient vapours we have seen that as early as eighteen twenty three fraunhofer ascertained the generic participation of stellar light in the peculiarity by which sunlight, spread out by transmission through a prism, shows numerous transverse rulings of interrupting darkness. No sooner had Kirchhoff supplied the key to the hidden meaning of those ciphered characters than it was eagerly turned to the interpretation of the dim scrolls unfolded in the spectra of the stars." donati made at florence in eighteen sixty the first efforts in this direction but with little result owing to the imperfections of the instrumental means at his command his comparative failure however was a prelude to others success almost simultaneously in eighteen sixty two the novel line of investigation was entered upon by huggins near london by father secchi at rome and by lewis m rutherford in new york Fraunhofer's device of using a cylindrical lens for the purpose of giving a second dimension to stellar spectra was adopted by all and was indeed indispensable for a luminous point such as a star appears becomes when viewed through a prism a variegated line which until broadened into a band by the intervention of a cylindrical lens is all but useless for purposes of research this process of rolling out involves it is true much loss of light a scanty and precious commodity as coming from the stars but the loss is an inevitable one and so fully it is compensated by the great light grasping power of modern telescopes that important information can now be gained from the spectroscopic examination of stars far below the range of the unarmed eye The effective founders of stellar spectroscopy, then, since Rutherford shortly turned his efforts elsewhere, were Father Secchi, the eminent Jesuit astronomer of the Collegio Romano, where he died February 26, 1878, and Sir William Huggins, with whom the late Professor W. A. Miller was associated. The work of each was happily directed as to supplement that of the other, with less perfect appliances. The Roman astronomer sought to render his extensive rather than precise. At Tulse Hill, searching accuracy over a narrow range was aimed at and attained. To Father Secchi is due the merit of having executed the first spectroscopic survey of the heavens. Above four thousand stars were passed in review by him, and classified according to the varying qualities of their light. His provisional establishment, 1863-67, to 67, of four types of stellar spectra, has proved a genuine aid to knowledge through the facilities afforded by it for the arrangement and comparison of rapidly accumulating facts. Moreover, it is scarcely doubtful that these special distinctions correspond to differences in physical condition of a marked kind." The first order comprises more than half the visible and probably an overwhelming proportion of the faintest stars. Sirius, Vega, Regulus, Altair are amongst its leading members. Their spectra are distinguished by the breadth and intensity of the four dark bars due to the absorption of hydrogen, and by the extreme faintness of the metallic lines, of which nevertheless hundreds are disclosed by careful examination the light of these syrian orbs is white or bluish and it is found to be rich in ultra-violet rays capella and arcturus belong to the second or solar type of stars which is about one-sixth less numerously represented than the first their spectra are quite closely similar to that of sunlight in being ruled throughout by innumerable fine dark lines and they share its yellowish tinge The third class includes most red and variable stars, commonly synonymous, of which Betelgeuse in The Shoulder of Orion and Mira in The Whale are noted examples. Their characteristic spectrum is of the fluted description. It shows like a strongly illuminated range of seven or eight variously tinted columns seen in perspective, the light falling from the red end towards the violet, this kind of absorption is produced by the vapors of metalloids or of compound substances to the fourth order of stars belongs also a colonnaded spectrum but reversed the light is thrown the other way the three broad zones of absorption which interrupt it are sharp toward the red insensibly gradated towards the violet end the individuals composing class four are few and apparently insignificant the brightest of them not exceeding the fifth magnitude they are commonly distinguished by a deep red tint and gleam like rubies in the field of the telescope father secchi who in eighteen sixty seven detected the peculiarity of their analyzed light ascribed to it the presence of carbon in some form in their atmospheres and this was confirmed by the researches of h c vogel director of the Astrophysical Observatory at Potsdam. The hydrocarbon bands, in fact, seen bright in commons, are dark in these singular objects, the only ones in the heavens, save one bright-lined star and a rare meteor, which displays a commentary analogy of the fundamental sort revealed by the spectroscope. The numbers of all four orders are, however, emphatically suns they possess it would appear photospheres radiating all kinds of light and differ from each other mainly in the varying qualities of their absorptive atmospheres the principle that the colours of stars depend not on the intrinsic nature of their light but on the kinds of vapours surrounding them and stopping out certain portions of that light was laid down by huggins in eighteen sixty four the phenomena of double stars seems to indicate a connection between the state of the investing atmospheres by the action of which their often brilliantly contrasted tints are produced and their mutual physical relations a tabular statement put forward by professor holden in june eighteen eighty made it at any rate clear that inequality of magnitude between the components of binary systems accompanies unlikeness in color and that stars more equally matched in one respect are pretty sure to be so in the other. Besides, blue and green stars of a decided tinge are never solitary. They invariably form part of systems. So that association has undoubtedly a predominant influence upon color. Nevertheless, the crude notion thrown out by Zollner in 1865, that yellow and red stars are simply white stars in various stages of cooling, obtained for a time undeserved currency darest indeed protested against it and angstrom in eighteen sixty eight substituted atmospheric quality for mere colour as a criterion of age and temperature his lead was followed by lockyer in eighteen seventy three and by vogel in eighteen seventy four the scheme of classification due to the potsdam astrophysicist differed from father Secchi's only in presenting his third and fourth types as subdivisions of the same order and inserting three subordinate categories but their variety was rationalized by the addition of the seductive idea of progressive development thus the white syrian stars were represented as the youngest because the hottest of the sidereal family those of the solar pattern as having already wasted much of their store by radiation and being well advanced in middle life while the red stars with banded spectra figured as effete suns hastening rapidly down the road to final extinction vogel's scheme is however incomplete it traces the downward curve of decay but gives no account of the slow ascent to maturity the present splendor of Vega, for instance, was prepared, according to all creative analogy, by almost endless processes of gradual change. What was its antecedent condition? The question has been variously answered. Dr. Johnstone Stoney advocated, in 1867, the comparative youth of red stars. A. Ritter, of aix la chapelle divided them in 1883 into two squadrons, posted the one on the ascending, the other on the descending branch of the temperature curve, and corresponding presumably with Seti's third and fourth orders of stars with banded spectra. Whether in the interim they should display spectra of the Syrian or of the solar type was made to depend on their greater or less massiveness. But the revelation actually existing perhaps inverts that contemplated by Ritter certainly the evidence collected by mr mondor in eighteen ninety one strongly supports the opinion that the average solar star is a weightier body than the average syrian star on november seventeenth eighteen eighty seven sir norman lockyer communicated to the royal society the first of a series of papers embodying his meteoritic hypothesis of cosmical constitution stated and supported more at large in a separate work bearing that name published in 1890 the fundamental proposition wrought out in it was that all self-luminous bodies in the celestial space are composed either of swarms of meteorites or of masses of meteoric vapor produced by heat on the basis of this supposed community of origin sidereal objects were distributed in seven groups along a temperature curve ascending from nebulae and gaseous or bright-lined stars through red stars of the third type and a younger division of solar stars to the high syrian level then descending through the more strictly solar stars to red stars of the fourth type carbon stars below which lay only the Caput maturum entitled group seven the groundwork of this classification was however insecure and has given way certain spectroscopic coincidences avowedly only approximate suggesting that stars and nebulae of every species might be formed out of variously aggregated meteorites failed of verification by exact inquiry and spectroscopic coincidences admit of no compromise those that are merely approximate are as a rule unmeaning in his presidential address at the cardiff meeting of the british association in eighteen ninety one dr huggins adhered in the main to the line of advance traced by vogel the inconspicuousness of metallic lines in the spectra of the white stars he attributed not to the paucity but to the high temperature of the vapours producing them and the consequent deficiency of contrast between their absorption rays and the continuous light of photospheric background such a state of things would more probably in his opinion be found in conditions anterior to the solar stage while a considerable cooling of the sun would probably give rise to banded spectra due to compounds He adverted also to the influential effects upon stellar types of varying surface gravity, which being a function of both mass and bulk, necessarily gains strength with wasting heat and consequent shrinkage. The same leading ideas were more fully worked out in An Atlas of Representative Stellar Spectra, published by Sir William and Lady Huggins in 1899 they were moreover splendidly illustrated by a set of original spectrographic plates while precision was added to the adopted classification by the separation of helium from hydrogen stars the spectrum of the exotic substance terrestrially captured in eighteen ninety five is conspicuous by absorption as vogel lockyer and delandres promptly recognized in a considerable number of white stars among them the pleiades and most of the brilliance in orion mr mclean whose valuable spectrographic survey of the heavens was completed at the cape in eighteen ninety-seven, found reason to conclude that they are in the first stage of development from gaseous nebulae and in this the Tulse hill investigators unhesitantly concur the strongest evidence for the primitive state of white stars Is found in their nebular relations the components of groups still involved and entangled with silver braids of cosmic mist Show perhaps invariably spectra of the helium type occasionally crossed by bright rays Possibly all such stars have passed through a bright line stage, but further evidence on the point is needed relative density furnishes another important test of comparative age and syrian stars are on the whole undoubtedly more bulky proportionately to their mass than solar stars the rule however seems to admit of exceptions hence the change from one kind of spectrum to the other is not that inevitably connected with the attainment of a particular degree of condensation there is reason to believe that it is anticipated in the more massive globes despite their comparatively slow cooling as a consequence of the greater power of gravity over their investing vaporous envelopes this conclusion is enforced by the relations of double star spectra the fact that in unequal pairs the chief star most frequently shows a solar its companion a spectrum can sparsely be otherwise explained than by admitting that while the sequence of types is pursued in an invariable order it is pursued much more rapidly in larger than in small orbs it need not indeed be supposed that all stars are identical in constitution and present identical life histories individualities in the one and divergencies in the other must be allowed for yet the main track is plainly continuous and leads by insensible gradations from nebul through helium stars to the syrian and onward to the solar type whence by an inevitable transition fluted or Antarian spectra develop the first known examples of the class of gaseous stars Lyrae and Cassiopeiae, were noticed by father Secchi at the outset of his spectroscopic inquiries both show bright lines of hydrogen and helium so that the peculiarity of their condition probably consists in the intense ignition of their chromospheric surroundings the entire radiating surfaces might be described as that is to say brilliant formations such as have been photographed by professor hale on the sun's disk cover perhaps the whole instead of being limited to a small portion of the photospheric area but this state of things is more or less inconstant. Some at least of the bright rays indicative of it are subject to temporary extinctions. Already in 1871-72 to 72, Dr. Vogel suspected the prevalence of such vicissitudes, and their reality was ascertained by M. Eugène von Gothard. After the completion of his new astrophysical observatory at Hirene in the autumn of 1881, he repeatedly observed the spectra of both stars without perceiving a trace of bright lines, and was thus taken quite by surprise when he caught a twinkling of the crimson sea in Cassiopeia, August 13, 1883. A few days later the whole range, including D3, was lustrous. Duly apprised of the recurrence of a phenomenon he had himself vainly looked for during some years. Monsieur von Konkoli, took the opportunity of the great vienna refractor being placed at his disposal to examine with it the relighted spectrum on august twenty seventh in its wealth of light c was dazzling d three and the green and blue hydrogen rays shone somewhat less vividly d and the group b showed faintly dark while three broad absorption bands sharply terminated towards the red diffuse towards the violet Shaded the spectrum near its opposite extremities, the previous absence of bright lines from the spectrum of this star was, however, by no means so protracted or complete as M von Gothard supposed at duect C was superbly visible December twentieth eighteen seventy nine F was seen bright on october twenty eighth of the same year and frequently at Greenwich in eighteen eighty to eighty one the curious fact has moreover been adverted to by dr copeland that c is much more variable than f to vogel june eighteenth eighteen seventy two the first was invisible while the second was bright at donnecht january eleventh eighteen eighty seven the conditions were so far inverted that c was resplendent f comparatively dim no spectral fluctuations were detected in Cassiopeia by keeler in eighteen eighty nine but even with the giant telescope at mount hamilton the helium ray was completely invisible it made nevertheless capricious appearances at south kensington during that autumn and again october twenty first eighteen ninety four while in september of eighteen ninety two Belopolsky could obtain no trace of it on orthochromatic plates exposed with the thirty-inch Polkawa refractor still more noteworthy is the circumstance that the well-known green triplet of magnesium recorded as dark by keeler in eighteen eighty nine came out bright on fifty-two spectrographs of the star taken by father sidgraves during the years eighteen ninety one to ninety nine no fluctuations in the hydrogen spectrum were betrayed by them but subordinate lines of unknown origin showed alternate fading and vivification the spectrum of lyrae undergoes transitions to some extent analogous, yet involving a different set of considerations. First noticed by von Gothart in 1882, they were imperfectly made out two years later to be of a cyclical character. This, however, could only be effectively determined by photographic means. Beta Lyrae is a short-period variable its light changes with great regularity from three point four to four point four magnitude every twelve days and twenty-two hours during which time it attains a twofold maximum with an intervening secondary minimum the question then is of singular interest whether the changes of spectral quality visible in this object correspond to its changes in visual brightness A distinct answer in the affirmative was supplied through Mrs. Fleming's examination of the Harvard plates of the star's spectrum, upon which in 1891 she found recorded diverse complex changes of bright and dark lines, obviously connected with the phases of luminous variation, and obeying in the long run precisely the same period. Something more will be said presently as to the import of this discovery. Bright hydrogen lines have so far been detected, for the most part photographically at Harvard College, in about 60 stars, including Pleione, the surmised lost Pleiad, P. Cygni, noted for instability of light in the 17th century, and the extraordinary southern variable, N. Carinae. In most of these objects, other vivid rays are associated with those due to hydrogen, a blaze of hydrogen moreover accompanies the recurring outbursts of about one hundred and fifty long period variables giving banded spectra of the third type professor pickerington discovered the first example of this class towards the close of eighteen eighty six in miracete further detections were made visually by mr Espen, and the conjunction of bright hydrogen lines with dusky bands has been proved by mrs fleming's long experience in studying the harvard photographs to indicate unerringly the subjection of the stars thus characterized to variations of lustre accomplished in some months a third variety of gaseous star is named after Messrs wolfe and rayet who discovered at paris in eighteen sixty seven its three typical representatives close together in the constellation cygnus six further specimens were discovered by dr copeland five of them in the course of a trip for the exploration of visual facilities in the andes in eighteen eighty three and a large number have been made known through spectral photographs under professor pickering's direction at the close of the nineteenth century over a hundred such objects had been registered none brighter than the sixth magnitude with the single exception of argus the resplendent continuous spectrum of which first examined by respigi and lockyer in eighteen seventy one is embellished with the yellow and blue rays distinctive of the type here then we have a stellar globe apparently at the highest point of sunlight incandescence sharing the peculiarities of bodies verging toward the nebulous state examined with instruments of adequate power their spectra are seen to be highly complex. They include a fairly strong continuous element, a numerous set of absorption lines, and a range of emission lines, more or less completely represented in different stars. Especially conspicuous is a broad effluence of azure light, found by Dr. Vogel in 1883, and by Sir William and Lady Huggins in 1890, to be of multiple structure, and hence to vary in its mode of display its suggested identification with the blue carbon fluting was disproved at Tulse hill metallic vapors give no certain sign of their presence in the atmospheres of these remarkable bodies but nebulum is stated to shine in some hydrogen and helium account for a large proportion of their spectral rays Thirty-two Wolf-Rayet stars were investigated spectroscopically and spectrographically by Professor Campbell with the Great Lick Refractor in 1892 to 94, and several disclosed the singularity already noticed by him in Argus of giving out mixed series, the members of which change from vivid to obscure with increase of refrangibility. It is difficult to imagine by what chromospheric machinery this curious result can be produced. Alcyon in the Pleiades presents the same characteristic. Alone among the hydrogen lines, Crimson Sea glows in its spectrum, while all others are dark. Luminosity of the Wolf-Rayet kind is particularly constant, both in quantity and quality, it seems to be incapable of developing save under galactic conditions all the stars marked by it lie near the central line of the milky way or in the magellanic clouds they tend also to gather into groups circles of four degrees radius include respectively seven in argo eight in cygnus the first spectroscopic star catalogue was published by dr vogel in potsdam in eighteen eighty three it included four thousand and fifty one stars distributed over a zone of the heavens extending from twenty degrees north to twenty degrees south of the celestial equator more than half of these were white stars while red stars with banded spectra occurred in the proportion of about one thirteenth of the whole to the latter genus m duner then of lund now director of the Uppsala observatory devoted a work of standard authority issued at stockholm in eighteen eighty four this was a catalogue with descriptive particulars of three hundred and fifty two stars showing banded spectra two hundred and ninety seven of which belong to sezzi's third fifty five to his fourth class vogel's third a and three b since then discovery has progressed so rapidly at first through the telescopic reviews of mr then in the course of the photographic survey carried on at harvard college that considerably over one thousand stars are at present recognized as of the family of betelgeuse and Mira, well about two hundred and fifty have so far exhibited the spectral pattern of nineteen Piscium. one fact well ascertained as regards both species is the invariability of the type the prismatic flutings of the one and the broader zones of the other are as if stereotyped they undergo in their fundamental outlines no modification though varying in relative intensity from star to star they are always accompanied by or superposed upon a spectrum of dark lines in producing which sodium and iron have an obvious share and certain bright rays noticed by sechi with his imperfect appliances as enhancing the chiaroscuro effects in carbon stars, came out upon plates exposed by Hale and Ellerman in 1898 with the stellar spectrograph of the Yerkes Observatory. Their genuineness was shortly afterwards visually attested by Keeler, Campbell, and Dunay, but no chemical interpretation has been found for them. End of section 36 Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio interfaceaudio.com.